This is Kevin. And this is Evan. And this is Running With Scissors. But this is also an, a special segment we are doing. This is a series where we're interviewing uh, nonprofits around the area, working with Capital Workspaces and Nonprofit Village to bring you the people behind these movements and also let you learn a little bit about the movements as well. Sounds like the goodness. Very exciting stuff. So we have with us today, do you want to introduce yourself? Zainab Abbas. And what is the, uh, the program that you run? Yes, I'm the founder of SciTech to You, Inc., which is a nonprofit that um, offers STEM learning, STEAM learning to K-12 students. Yeah. And we're going to learn a lot about STEAM learning today. <laughs> uh, we did a phone call with her earlier this week just to get to know her and give her some of the questions. And I must say, uh, I was deprived as a child mom. <laughs> I was deprived. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to start it off with uh, some basic questions just to get to know the program and then get to know more about you. So for, you know, SciTech to you, how did it all begin? What what drove you to to begin this? Yeah, um, that question. I, I, many people ask me that question every time, you know, they hear about SciTech to you. And I used to give them the humdrum answer, like, you know, I went to Fortis, I taught at Fortis College, and students would come by and kind of peek into my room, and they'd walk away, like, what's in there? And, um, and I would um, in, um, encourage them to speak to me about, you know, some of the things that we do in the biotech lab, because I taught biotechnology at the um, school. And, you know, once, they, well, once I engaged them, in conversation, they realized that, oh, I can do this, you know, this is attainable. So um, that used to be the, my answer. And then once over the summer, I took a few workshops and I've, um, I was forced to really look deep into myself and see exactly what, you know, what urged me to start um, um, SciTech to you. And I was practically in tears when I thought about the day when um, my first semester there, actually, I had one student who was a very charismatic student, but he never really came to class on a regular basis, and he would sometimes, when he did come, he would come tardy. But I noticed in his work, you know, when he put some effort in his work, he would actually um, do well. So a couple weeks into the program, I pulled him aside and I spoke to him, and I, like a big sister, you know, mama would do. And I was like, look, you know, you have potential. All you have to do is apply yourself. I know you can do it. And I tell him, you know, you have charisma. You know, some of the students, you know, come to you for help with some of the, you know, some of the questions and problems that we talk about in the class. And so after that, I mean, in the lab, we keep notebooks. So I... Um, I noticed like a stark change in his work. I mean, he went from an F student to an A student. A couple weeks into the program after we had that conversation and after I saw his transitioning to a really good student, um, two plainclothes police officers um, walked into my classroom led by the school president and um, arrested him. And that was for me, very hard to experience, you know, with him because I saw the difference that he was making and I saw him really improving and yeah. to have him be being taken out of the classroom was hard for me and I never really found out why he was arrested and he never came back. So once I was forced to really look deep into why I started SciTech to you, I think ultimately this was the reason. I wanted to offer students an opportunity to have the experience and the exposure to science, to um, STEAM programs, so that they have a better outlook um, for their future. Gotcha. Yeah. And um, then the follow-up question, Evan? So you told us why you started the program, but what got you interested in the field of STEAM itself in the first place? Oh, yeah. Um, was it like, come out the gate as a kid, 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sort of kind of, um, you know, back in the day, in the 80s, um, we had encyclopedias. We didn't have the internet. So my father, you know, of course, purchased a volume of encyclopedias for us, and that was our internet. I would always look through the encyclopedia, read about different things, dinosaurs, boats, um, trains, just anything. Um, so one of the things that I found while I was reading the encyclopedia was that the um, heart was uh, heart attacks and heart issues was the number one killer in the United States. And as a kid, I was maybe like um, eight or nine years old at the time. I was like, okay, I'm going to be the one that's going to cure the country of heart disease. So my goal was to become a um, cardiologist. You know, and all my science projects was around the heart. You know, I would get my father give me a cow's heart, and I would dissect it like in middle school and do you know make um, what do you call it? paper mache heart pieces and so on. So you know, all through middle school, all through high school, that basically was my goal to go to medical school and become a cardiologist. Um, during my matriculation at um, in college. I did a research program, actually a Ronald McNair program. And if you know Ronald McNair, he was the astronaut that, the African-American astronaut who died in the space shuttle back in the 80s. But they had this program, actually almost similar to STEM, um, SciTech to you, a STEM program similar to SciTech to you. And that gave me the opportunity um, my um, senior year to do research in a lab at University of Tennessee um, Knoxville in the lab of Dr. Robert Villafane. And I just loved, you know, doing the research. And I realized that it isn't um, the doctors, really, that actually cure people. It's the researchers, it's the scientists that find the cure, that do the research and find the issues that are causing the heart problem. And so I decided, okay, Squash medical school is too expensive anyway. I'm going to pursue research. I'm going to pursue a master's or a PhD degree um, and do research um, related to the heart. And so that's kind of my path to SciTech to you or STEM. Yes. That is awesome. And then, Kevin, you wanted to do the next question? Of course. But, um, man, dissecting a cow heart at Middle school, I think in our <laughs> middle school, we had Bill Nye the Science Guy on the television. <laughs> That's, that was the extent of our bio class. Yeah. But um, I think for us at our school, it was like frogs. Mm -hmm. We did one pig. Mm -hmm. And then I think there was like a cow thing. It wasn't a heart, but it was something we were able to do. Like, but I didn't go to do that. Like you had to be an AP to get the more interesting animals that had more going yeah. on. Yeah. We did uh, an actual chicken wing okay <laughs> the actual wing oh of you chicken. know what my youtube video i did a chicken wing dissection so if you get a chance you know oh, you of course. Go look at it and um the in school in middle school we did also frog but the heart was like a science project that i did you know aside from yeah yeah school but still very cool because uh <laughs> the cow's heart is basically just a bigger ver like you all the mm -hmm. valves and stuff are so much bigger yeah. you can really like see how everything works and very interesting learning yeah. um and you had mentioned that uh, which we'll get into you also uh took that concept of the cow hearts and stuff like that mm -hmm. to help teach the kids this is not only how this works but now you get to see it up close almost blown up right at you exactly you get to hold it <laughs> they get to hold it yes and then uh so you guys have a wide selection at SciTech to you of ost which uh is I had to look that up outside of school time. <laughs> yeah. Um, also known to my mom yeah. as shenanigans. Yeah. Or after school activities uh, at a, for at a school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, the programs and activities that you guys have are a uh, long list. There was literally too many for me to list off, uh, but they include anatomy, <laughs> engineering. Uh, they did robotics at one point. Yes. Uh, so what's, of all of those moments from all of your camps, if you could name one or just name a couple, uh, what's your most memorable camp experience? Mm -hmm. And then what would you like to add to expand that experience even further? Um, I think all of them are memorable because there's something unique about each of them. And um, because it's a small organization, I try not to repeat. I mean, I've repeated a few since, you know, the inception of the organization. But um, the most memorable was a couple winters ago now. 
um, when I first got my first grant, I mean, the first grant that I ever received from Walmart, um, I was surprised, you know, I was just like, I'm going to try, you know, to apply for this grant. And, you know, I was almost shocked that I got it. But it was just a wonderful opportunity. I was able to offer, you know, a great, great program to the um, students. Um, and it happened to be, you know, I was able to double my um, student enrollment size. And then I was also able to offer them, you know, you know, by comparison, little to no cost. I mean, the students, they went to iFly, so they did some aeronautic stuff. Also that year, Home Depot donated some things to our um, organization, so we were able to take advantage of that. But they built bridges. They made robotic hands. They built robotic cars. They, um, they did some handiwork. They made holograms in there. And what's more exciting is my son, who, you know, has aspirations to be a mechanical engineer, helped design that program. So that's one of the, you know, the most, one of the most memorable programs that I have. But I mean, I, and the students, you know, the students loved it, you know, they enjoyed it, and they asked for more. But um, all the programs are memorable. I think my first program, you know, just to see it materialize was also, and I had a full class at the time, and the students, you know, they came back and and I think it made me feel good that what I'm doing was the right thing because the parents asked for more. The parents tell me how much better their students were doing in school. Um, you know, there was one parent that told me, you know, normally my son doesn't like waking up on the weekends, but when he knew he had your class, he was waking me up out of bed. So that made me feel good to realize that these students loved it and they were learning and it was, you know, transferring to their academic life outside of, you know, our program. But, you know, I loved all the program. But also, because my background is in molecular and developmental biology, I had to learn. So I learned a lot, you know, about solar, wind. I learned about the environmental, you know, how to make paper, how to make dye, you know, out of just like onions and different things you find around the house. So, it, you know, it's also a learning process for me. So all of my programs, currently we are running an aeronautics program. And our students are going to, some of our students, our high school and middle school students are going to co-pilot an airplane. Um, they're going to do a discovery flight. And then our elementary school students are going to do flight simulation. They're going to have their uh, instructor that's going to um, instruct them through flight simulation. And you know they they dissected the um, uh, grasshopper. We talk about the three forces of flight um, with them, so they're learning all of that right now. They're learning about atoms, and they're going to build rockets um, pretty soon. So, I mean, it's it's all of the program that we offer. I think are really good, but um, that one was most memorable. And this one that we're offering now, the after school program, we're able to offer because we got. Um, a $10,000 grant from Maryland um, Department of Housing and Community Development. So that, you know, helps us a lot. And we're able to offer great programs when we have the funds to support them. And just to add on to that, uh, as someone that has also been involved in after-school activities, uh, camps and stuff like that, having interacted with parents on a daily basis for that, I must say it is the greatest, uh, you know, going forward, uh, trying to see like, oh, looking through reviews, the great, even better than any review you could ever get is not only is this person doing what basically some camps can only promise you they can do, uh, that your own kids are also involved, which is mm -hmm. like, hey, if my, if I can, if I'm letting my kids do all this stuff, mm -hmm. you know, this is a good program because my kids are having a blast mm -hmm. and they don't even have to be here. You know, these are my yeah. kids. They're not, they're not enrolled. <laughs> yeah. You know, this isn't like someone else's kids coming over. I'm watching them. Like this is someone volunteering to help out building programs with, mm -hmm. with me. Mm -hmm. And that's, and then not only that, but also you mentioned some of those kids have actually like almost begged to come back. Yeah. You've had kids yes. that went to college and still wanted to come back yes. and help out. Yes, currently, actually, I have a, an after-school program. I have a college student who found out that I was offering this after-school program. She's like, can I please join? It's like, yeah, I mean, granted, she's a freshman in high school, but she's part of, she's part of our student um, body right now. 
at um, SciTech to you. Um, and um, um, my daughter, when I first started, was like my right-hand man, and she would help me test out all the experiments before I kind of bring it to the um, students. And she's actually graduated in mechanical engineering from Penn State. So, I mean, it says a lot to having that experience. Thank you. Um, having her experience that, and you see what that does, you know, to students who are ex have that exposure. And I, I kind of wish I had this when I was growing up, too. <laughs> so, yeah. Us growing up in this area in the DMV, we're, like, really fortunate because of the fact <laughs> we have so many museums and programs. Like, we have... Like the science and tech um, museums on the Smithsonian. There's mm. like the aeronautics museum, Air and space, yes. yeah. Air and space. Yeah, there's like there's so much of this stuff. We had the museum, unfortunately. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. But like a lot of the stuff, like if you really like in our area, if you want to get into it, they make you wait to like the end of middle school, beginning of high school. Mm. What's cool about SciTech to you is you get introduced to this stuff now, and people have a chance to like grow into a field and learn to it. Mm. Like the crazy thing about the curriculum with like in Maryland right now is like we'll have taken that same science classes three times over. Like we've taken biology like like three, four times <laughs> by the time we finish high school. Mm. It just, the book gets bigger every year. So it's great to see just different things and have them exposed mm. to a different part of science, which is always awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, and what I like about, you know, learning the way that I teach is, is hands-on. So you mentioned, you know, the books get bigger, but for us, there are no books. So everything is hands-on. The only book that they have is a, a professional scientific notebook that we offer so they learn proper documentation. They also learn lab safety. So they know like once you walk into the classroom as a lab, there's no eating, closed toe shoes, your hair has to be pulled back, no um, dangling jewelry. So they pretty much, because I've worked in pharmaceutical, I worked in the lab, you know, um, government, I worked in biotech, and I've also taught this. So I just, when they walk into my classroom, they're basically walking into a lab and they following all the etiquettes, all the protocols that's required. So they get the real experience of being in a lab and doing research and projects. Yeah. She said, forget your, uh, your museum. We got it right here. <laughs> we can do everything right yeah. here. Uh, now, of course, having done this for a long time, you've encountered uh, a lot of challenges and change that comes with having a program of this kind of scope. Mm -hmm. What would you say is the biggest thing you've had to deal with, and what was your way of overcoming that? Huh, I think, um, yeah. <laughs> so there are a few things. So we did start in 2011, but, um, you know, I had a baby. And I wouldn't say that was a challenge, but that kind of <laughs> pulled us back a little and kind of being like the only person kind of running the show. It slowed down a bit for a few years, but we were able to bring it back up. Um, you know, he got older um, when he was about three and a half. I was like, okay, time to you know, put things back into swing. So I held a few summer camps, and um, I had an opportunity to um, uh, actually, I wrote a grant for Montgomery County, and we didn't get the grant, but we spoke to, um, oh gosh, I can't remember her name. <sighs> I can't remember, but she gave us like a good advice. She suggested, you know, go see Nonprofit Village. There's so many other organizations went through our debriefing. Um, she gave us some, you know, ideas on how to improve and she thought the program was great, but you know, it's just that because we're so small, you know, we weren't able to get the grant. But I took her advice. I, you know, looked um, Nonprofit Village up on the internet and I saw that they were offering Duck Pond and I didn't know exactly what it was, but I knew they were going to interview me, and I knew I needed to do a presentation. So I put a PowerPoint presentation together, and I went, you know, put my best foot forward, and I just basically told them what SciTech T was about, showed them some of the pictures of some of the students doing the work, and um, about, I think, a week later, they was like, oh, come on in, and we'll give you a tour of our facilities. And so I went in, got a tour of the facility, and he was like, oh, yeah, by the way, this was Tom. He was like, by the way, you're our winner. I was like, what? <laughs> so I didn't know. So I think that was one way for me to overcome that challenge of, you know, starting over kind of, sort of. And it's just been phenomenal. Since I've been with Nonprofit Village, I mean, I just wish I knew that they were there before. But the, the you know, the resources that they provide, the support that they provide, and even the other organizations that are there at Nonprofit Village, I mean, they're awesome. Right now, I'm kind of partnering up. My partner, 
um, with Michelle Joseph there with SGAP Leaders. And we kind of support each other. We're like our nonprofit besties right now. <laughs> and um, we just work through it all. If it's grants that we're looking for, if it's like how we're going to restructure this, um, you know, we work together. So that's really helpful. And Kim is great. Tom is great. And I also had an opportunity to be part of the inaugural program there that they um, offered, which was SOAR. And SOAR just helped me a lot with strategic planning, board governance, um, communication, fundraising, just everything. And um, when, uh, when I started, we had like $6 in the bank. And so we were able to have one fundraiser. We raised $300. And we had another fundraiser for Giving Tuesday after COVID. We raised about $1,200. And then we had another, um, we applied you know, for the IDLE grant, the COVID relief grant. And um, we received um, $11,000 $11, from that. Um, oh, snap. And then, <laughs> and it was, but I was like, okay, I got this money. I don't know if I'm going to be able to afford to pay it back. So I kind of gave that money back. But we, you know, we got the grant there. And then I um, applied for the DHCD grant, and then we got $10,000 from there. So that one I kept because it was a grant and didn't have to, it wasn't a loan. I didn't have to return it. So I was able to keep that. Um, and then we had another Given Tuesday, Give 828. We, that fundraiser, we were able to generate $2,500 with that. So we're, you know, on our way, and our board grew from three member board. Now we're at, um, about a nine, eight, eight or nine member board now, and we just have good talent on our board. I just can't say enough, and they're hardworking. I mean, we used to meet once a week during COVID. We met every week religiously once a week, and we just, you know, they put in the work. I was there, so yeah, so that's how I overcome, you know, the challenge that I had. I mean, COVID was hard. I wasn't able to offer my um, summer camp this year but I have this after school program and it's just taken off the kids are loving it we've so far produced two videos from that that um, we're going to share on our YouTube very soon and that actually goes into uh, the next question we were going to ask was about you know obviously with COVID-19 we asked Cedric from uh, Roots Africa mm -hmm. the same yeah. question of how have you had to adapt because obviously things aren't running as normal. They probably won't run as normal for a significant mm -hmm. amount of time. Uh, you mentioned uh, in your call with us that you do uh, virtual learning mm -hmm. where everyone's still at home, but then you have all the instructions mm -hmm. and it's almost as if they're, they're learning it right with you at yes. the program itself. Yes, um, well, yeah. We weren't able to do our summer program it's usually our summer program is a four-week camp that we offer to the students and every week is a different um, subject matter so if you see on our website you know we do engineering we have anatomy and physiology we have oncology we have um, genetics sometimes sometimes we mix it up civil engineering or um, bioengineering uh, in some form or fashion but um, this year we weren't able to do it um, but one of the challenges that I had with the after-school program, usually it's with face-to-face. -face. I don't have to buy as many products. Some of the things like um, tape or glue, the students can share crayons. They can share different things. But now I have to individually, everything has to be individualized and placed in a kit. So, of course, the expense is much greater than um, if it was face-to-face. Um, microscope would be a challenge because every student would have to have their own microscope. One of the things that we were looking to um, get is a micrometer. I'm actually working with Larissa Johnson, who's with the Energy from, um, Program for Montgomery County, and yeah. she's going to help us um, possibly get micrometers so we could do our energy program. So, um, so we're just, you know, try to work, adapt, but we have virtual... Most of our classes are done on Zoom, or all of our classes are done on Zoom. Our meetings, we, we sometimes adapt to board meetings we do on Google or Zoom, Google Meet or Zoom. But um, yeah, it's been, actually, it's been wonderful. It's been working out really well. 
And my fear is that I'm going to forget to put one thing that the students will need in their kit, and then we won't be able to do a um, program. But, I mean, you know, it works. I kind of put a cushion in there where there's a week off when we have field trips. You know, we take that week off, and any makeup I, gives me time to put something back in the kit that they can make up later. So it's, you know, it's been working. We have challenges. You know, COVID is definitely a big challenge, but we've been able to work around that. And I think, too, something, you know, a lot of people – you know, struggle through COVID. We've struggled through COVID, but one thing that I think COVID did was bring a lot of people together. Absolutely. So um, with COVID, you know, I mentioned Michelle with SGAP leaders. Um, you know, I think without COVID, we probably wouldn't even meet. And then we also met um, uh, Fozia with the AFIA project. And she actually started the program. Um, Fozia started the program as a result of COVID. Right, um, she has a background in public health, and she wanted to see how can I help our community. And with that, you know, she started the Afia project. So we were able to partner with her. She works with women and children, and we, you know, some of the students there through them, we we're able to just kind of bring it all together. And right now, normally we'd have eight to ten students in our program. Currently, we have twenty-eight students in our program. So. We've almost um, tripled our student enrollment just through partnering. And um, with Michelle, she has SGAP Leader. I prepare kits for her um, program. So uh, I provide kits for her students. So I don't directly interact with them, but I provide the kits that they use for um, design thinking. So, yeah, COVID brought us all together. Which is a, a blessing within... Uh Otherwise, it curses. Hardship, but, yeah. yeah. yeah but definitely. Um, thankfully, because like you said, you would not have been able to meet the people that you were. Mm -hmm. And then for the kids, some of them might not have, you know, gotten to know about the yes. program without, you know, this being the availability. Exactly. Like I mean, my, my first meeting with Josia, <laughs> she was like, How did I not know about this? Was, this is a wonderful program. I wish I had known this sooner for my kids. And, you know, you know, we all have our kids in our program. You know, I think I have um, three of her kids on our program, two of my children and my two of my niece. Oh, wait, no, my, a niece and a, two nephews are in my program. So, you know, you know, it's something that our kids can use, too. And, you know, it's open to everyone. You know, SciTech to you is open to everyone. So if you want to learn STEM, STEAM, even STREAM, because we do read also, you know, it's, you know, SciTech is here. So Evan, you can finally learn math. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. This mic goes off. <laughs> you and me. <laughs> Rock'em soccer robots in real life. Um, no, but, um, so going back to when you first started, because as you're talking about how like you were fortunate to come in contact with the, the group, the nonprofit village, who helped you kind of get further. Before all that had happened, what was something now looking back you wish you had known? Oh gosh. Yeah, just the resources. I, you know, I learned you know, coming to Nonprofit Village, I found out about Compass, which is another organization that helped nonprofit kind of streamline and just help them, give them mentors to help them through any issue that they may have in terms of getting to where they want to be. Um, Taproot is another source that we were able to, I was able to kind of reach out to Maryland nonprofits. I didn't even know any of these organizations existed. You know, so um, if I had an inkling, if I had access to just one of them, I think they would have been really helpful. Um, now, you know, currently I have one volunteer. I'm looking for more volunteers. And Nonprofit Village, you know, through SGAP leaders, I found that Montgomery County has a pool of volunteers that I could reach out to. So I'm looking to do that. Um, SCORE, I was able to, I had a SCORE mentor as well. Um, and he helped me through, you know, just to kind of bounce some ideas off of him. We were able, you know, he was able to, Gary Rosen, he was able to help me through some of that. So it's, you know, if I had known that sooner, you know, it would have been very helpful. Uh, just to reiterate, as you had said before, you guys were founded in 2011. Yes. Um, asterisk for, you know, baby and all that other stuff mm -hmm. came up as well. But 2011, do you still, you've had plenty of students 
come and go over the past? Do you keep up with any of them? And then if so, what are some success stories or shining moments that you've been able to witness over the years that you're really proud of? Um, well, my daughter, <laughs> she's just graduated, you know, mechanical engineering. Um, I haven't been able to keep up with uh, many of the students that have first started, but I know the ones, there's some that have already graduated from college. And there's some that are still in high school now. Some of my very first students, I think when they started 11 years ago, they were like first and second graders. So they're like seniors now in, um, in high school. My daughter actually would probably still be in um, college, but she's 20 years old. She chose to homeschool. So she graduated, you know, in that at 20. Um, Right now, one of my first students, she's also my current student, she's in college, and she's pursuing a career also in, in STEM. So I suspect that some of them probably are pursuing a career in STEM, but I haven't really reached out to any of them. Um, one of my other students I met in a dental office. He was working in a dental office. Wow. Yeah, doing high school. So that's a career in STEM. So, so yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're, I, I believe that they're doing good things, yeah. So, um, so basically it's like Professor X's uh, school for gifted kids where you're really, you know, the <laughs> oh, next, know next generation that. of superheroes out here. <laughs> um, but it's really great to see that this is a program that allows uh, kids to, like all the, growing up I remember, even at one point I was, uh, where it was like, I want to be a scientist, I want to mm. be a doctor. And, you know, over time you just get, I, at least for me personally, I've noticed and I've seen people get discouraged because the programs aren't as widespread mm -hmm. as others. Uh, I remember in high school, one teacher even like focused on reading and she was the science teacher. Mm -hmm. So it was, yeah. it was like not as much resources available, mm -hmm. not as much widespread push for sciences. After mm -hmm. science stopped being called science, it really was either you take the class in your own power mm -hmm. or we're not really going to, mm -hmm. you know, push it towards you. Mm. Uh, but this is a program that's entirely based on, well, reading, math, and also the sciences and technology, mm -hmm. and it's something where they can, you know, do things yeah. that they want to do, yeah. focus on that, and also get to learn stuff maybe they didn't know they liked, mm -hmm. and then suddenly they want to become a robotics engineer. Or yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that alone. you know, we have first graders learning about Bernoulli's principle, you know, they're making atoms, the learning about the nucleus and the protons. And, and you know, these are first graders. And um, um, our high school students, you know, on a different level, they're learning about periodic trends, you know, on the periodic table. So we just, you know, we just try to give them hands-on. It's not rote learning. They're actually doing, um, for instance, for the um, high school students, they're making a 3D model of the periodic table using spaghetti and the periodic table. So they're really seeing the things that they're learning in their books come to life. And practicing and it. And then practicing it. Yeah. So it's making sense. You know, it all kind of makes sense to them when they put that together. I wish I was a kid when your program started because <laughs> like, I never got that stuff. Yeah. I, I low-key low thought a mole was something I had to get removed when I first learned about it in chemistry. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. But uh, yeah. so... We have done all of the, like, getting to know the program, mm -hmm. amazing program that teaches, not only teaches the kids mm -hmm. about the basics, but also lets them practice and get to see it in real life, yeah. uh, which is important because a lot of kids are, their learning is based off of doing it, not just being told about it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But we also wanted to learn about you a little bit, <laughs> you know, not to put the spotlight on you, but, yeah. you know, get to know the person behind the program as well. Yeah. So we'll have a, a couple of fun questions, Evan, for. Okay. Okay. So first question, of like, it's like I guess you call it like a two, three-part question. Um, what do you do for fun outside of the program? Yeah, I, um, I do CrossFit. Yeah, I do CrossFit, so that's fun for me. But one other thing that I do that is fun, it's kind of work and fun at the same time. My, I'm a soccer mom. So three of my kids, and the fourth one also wants to play soccer, but I just can't do it right now. But three of my kids are, um, and my nephew, are, play soccer. So I'm the one shuttling them to practice, you know, waiting in the car or 
um, running to the grocery in between soccer practice, and I'm the mother that probably annoys everyone else, like yelling for my kids. I was gonna <laughs> ask <laughs> every question go. for someone that's a self-proclaimed <laughs> soccer mom: Are you the are you the yay? Or are you the you better go get that ball? I'm the or you better you, you better <laughs> get that ball. I'm Have you ever got into one mother. of the refs when they gave a bad call? And you're just like, what are you doing? Yes. Use your eyes. You guys, shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> yes. I mean, I try to, you know, it's all in fun. Oh, of but, course. you know, yeah, I encourage. I, I'm out there with my pom poms, and my kids would try to hide my pom poms. Like, mom, please don't take that. <laughs> and I would, you know, sometimes when I give their. Um, Friends were rather like, what would you rather have? Would you rather have me yelling or have the pom poms? Like you yelling, put the pom poms away. <laughs> no, <So>. thank you. <laughs> so um, yeah, so I'm that soccer mom. So I enjoy that a lot. Um, it's although you know it's taxing traveling all around because there um, three of them are in travel teams. So we're like all over the DMV um, area, um, and then uh, my. Other thing that I like to do, I like the Erdogan series, which is a Turkish um, uh, historic fiction series. And they're very, very long. They're usually two hours long, and they have, like, I don't know, maybe 100 episodes per season or something like that. And then from, you know, I, I'm through with Erdogan, and they had five, five seasons. And I'm now starting his son, Osman who founded the Ottoman Empire. So I'm doing him. They're in the second season now, and I'm also doing their great-grandson, which is uh, Abdul Hamid. Um, I think he was like the last of the, um, or the last caliph and the last of the Ottoman kings, I, I, as you will. So I'm kind of in the middle of that too, so I'm between the two series. So basically those are two things that I do for fun. I love to read, but you know, I, I'm a homeschool mother also, so I don't get to read the books that I necessarily want to read for fun. Now I'm just reading books that I can use to teach my kids at home and all the subjects. I'm learning a lot about history. I'm learning a lot about, you know, different countries. I'm learning about, you know, my grammar has gotten better since I started <laughs> teaching them. So, um, so, so, yeah, I'm learning a lot, and it's good. I think it's good to continue that learning process. It helps your brain, too. So, I got to yeah. say, just knowing my aunt had, um, well, has five kids, uh, two mm-hmm. are in college now, but I've, uh, she is also soccer, f- baseball, football mom, mm-hmm. uh, everything mom. And yeah. uh, she... Just because uh, I used to, when I was in high school, because I just started, well, early college, late high school, just started driving. I was able to help her out because I was still in the area. I was mm-hmm. doing PG Community College as well. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, just from that little brief glimpse of her, of those schedules mm-hmm. alone with these kids and the travel teams, I don't know how you do it. That is, yeah. it's rushing one kid to one, <laughs> trying to haul it to the other, yes. <laughs> then pick up the other on the way back. Yes, I mean, that's, I mean, I've had weekends like that, and it's like my husband and I are, like, tag-teaming. I'll drop one person off, drop another one off, and then go across town and drop, you know, pick that one up by the time this person's game is over. So it's, um, it's I mean, it's hard. And then, you know, the family. I have six kids total, um, and we try to encourage volunteerism. So, you know, sometimes we'll put together some things. We enjoy that a lot, especially in the winter when it gets cold. We'll do, like hot chocolate for the homeless. We'll do hygiene packs, and in the summer, you know, we'll do water. So, you know, it just, I mean, you know, we're just a fun family, and we like to work together, play together, do everything together, and we try to support and help our communities, you know, in the process. And you kind of answered part, I guess you'd call it, (laughs) 1B, which is, like, favorite show, but I guess what I could ask you instead, which is similar, you said you like history. What is your favorite period in history and why? Hmm. That's a tough question. It is. um, You know, you know, because I'm Muslim, I like Islamic history. I just wish I was there during the founding to you see know, all the getting built. to see everything come together and to be that support. I mean, I, my thought is I hope that during that time I'm on the right side of things and not on the bad side. But I think that's, you know, my favorite part of the history, just to see how things unfold and how, you know, the people at the time, you know, their convictions 
in their beliefs and how they were able to come through, you know, with it and the miracles that has happened, you know, I think is, you know, I would have loved to have been there, you know, so. One of my favorite classes yeah. at UMD was, uh, I think it was an introductory class. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, Islam and its history uh, in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And it started from literal creation of Islam all mm-hmm. the way to, it's like most history books where yeah. currents like a brief Mm-hmm. talked about it for a second. It was mostly focused on the creation of different sects of Islam, mm. how each one uh, is alike yet different, yet mm-hmm. uh, comes together with the general ideas, the pillars mm-hmm. of Islam, mm-hmm. uh, everything like that. And it was very interesting because I am one a person that doesn't like to be ignorant. Mm-hmm. I like to, if I don't know about it, I'd like to learn about yes. it. And yes. it was very eye-opening to get to learn about something that none of my teachers ever really touched on. It was because mm. uh, I didn't have religion classes. So mm. it was interesting to get to know how these empires were built. And this entire area of the of the world was mm-hmm. basically enforced with this religion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot like, you know, in, even in some of my classes that I teach it with SciTech to you, when I do the research, I find some interesting things that, you know, the history of science kind of falls along the history of Islam. Like the aeronautics, the first person to fly was a Muslim. His name was Ahmed Chalabi, right? And he had a mentor that he kind of looked up to. The mentor was never able, you know, he'd fall off, you know, try to fly and fall. And then I think then um, Leonardo da Vinci also has some ornithopters that he tried out and tested out. And then the second person I think that was able to successfully fly was, um, uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, oh, uh, Abbas Ibn Furnas was the first one to fly. Ahmed Chalabi was the second one, sorry, to fly, uh, that was able to fly. He was after Da Vinci. And then we had the Wright brothers with the yeah. airplane. So that was, you know, I always thought it was a Wright brothers, right? But there's pieces <laughs> in there that they don't tell yeah, you about. Yeah, they don't like, tell wait. you about. So, you know. <laughs> Didn't go from here to here. There's in between. Yeah. I mean, there was one one of my classes that I taught. I also found that, you know, in Islam, like with the eyeglasses, one of the, I can't remember his name, right? It's been a while. But even, you know, with seeing, it was someone, some Muslim in history that did it. So I have to look that one up again. But yeah, so you see like a lot of history. And outside of science, I think, when I think back at college, outside of science, some of my favorite classes were like the history classes, like the religion class. I found out about so many different world religions, and then I was just amazed at you know some of their beliefs and just didn't realize that they existed. You know, I had the three down. You know, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. I had those, but like Jainism, Shintoism, you know, the Hinduisms and the the Buddhisms, and you know, philosophy I enjoyed, and then world history I enjoyed. Um, you know, just learning about all the different things that happened in history that I think that was very interesting. Not to put them on the spot, but a little fun fact is um, Evan actually used to do a lot of research on these things. Mm-hmm. He actually is the one that taught me a lot about Buddhism and its teachings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one right. of the big things that I'm a big proponent of is learning in global history. Because when you look and you mm-hmm. hear the phrase world history mm-hmm. and you do it in the American education system, there's a caveat. It's American history. <laughs> how does it funnel into the American existence and how these things? Mm-hmm. It makes, like, for example, like we'll talk about like when Spain and France were beefing. We only learned as much as enough to where we got to, what is it, Columbus and mm-hmm. him yes. going with the spice yes. trade. You don't learn what happened after. Like, you don't learn about how, to this day, they're still not 100% back to normal. You don't hear those things. You hear what they would like you to hear. So yeah. my big thing is getting like, a full round picture so you get like the full mm-hmm. understanding of why things are. And like I'm really yeah. big on being a global citizen in that kind of way. There's a book that you should read. Then. It's called 1493. I can't remember the name of the author of the top of my head but that covers global history you know it talks Mm -hmm. about you know when columbus came to america and all the things that he brought here you know like the insects that came with him tomato it all started when you know the author wanted to get tomatoes and how tomatoes spread you know across the world and it talks i mean it's a great great book and they have a children's version and you know with my kids I like history because it's like we learn about Columbus. It's like what was going in this part of the world when this, you know, so it's kind of almost like putting pieces of a puzzle together to kind of see all the different things that are going on around the world, why the things that I know about history, you know, are going on. It's like, oh, this person was alive at the same time that person was alive, you know, so they're contemporaries. So it's, 
you know, history is interesting. Oh, yeah, history it's not just the one guy from this country went to travel here. It's there was stuff going on with going the monarchy. On. Yes. There was uh, yes. things going down with mm-hmm. England at the time that yes. they don't talk about because they weren't quite at America yet. Yeah. But then also American history, my, my main issue with it is is also uh, significantly uh, kind of put to a brighter light. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, up until high school, uh, I did not know uh, that Thanksgiving is not at all what they painted <laughs> to be, which is relevant because we're in yeah. November. Yeah. And uh, they left out a lot of what happened after. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we look at history. I mean, the, you know, and then, I, you know, my every day, like for my, with my kids at home, every day of the week we learn a different his, history of some country. You know, so we look at um, history, you know, we did, we've done New Zealand, we've done Korea, we've done... Japan, China, and we would, you know, at the end of the unit, we would, you know, when we had like a, a Korean tea party where we had, we did some paintings, we hung them in the room and had, you know, set up the house kind of like a, you know, Korean um, tea party and the kids enjoyed it. Um, we'll eat the food from the country or they'll make, you know, favorite delicacies or try different, you know, so it's fun. And um, we do African history. Right now we're in the middle of Palestinian history. Um, we've done South, South Africa. We've done Ghana. We've, you know, Angola. So we've tried to cover it. Because Africa is a big continent and with a lot of countries. So we just like. different countries. Yeah. <laughs> so we're like trying. And then we do the European countries. We've done Norway, um, Great Britain, we kind of have that down pat. <laughs> so, <laughs> but like Norway yeah. never gets mentioned. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we just try to go all over the world just to kind of expose them. If we can't travel there, we could at least learn about, you know, Germany we've done. And then I think in May, the, I, I don't think they did it this year, but the embassies would open up, right, to everyone. And we'll go try, try to make some of those embassy days and visit different embassies it's almost like the country visiting the country so that's also fun for the kids so just to just to wrap it up for you guys uh she not only teaches uh steam stem stream (laughs) she also teaches history and culture (laughs) well i try but that's just (laughs) ig if you guys want like fun facts like if you guys seen like black history month america we usually have like a month where like Every platform has like some historical figure mm. at place yeah. into our history. On her page for them, it's a daily history of different scientists and inventors, mm. which is like super cool. That, like I didn't know mm. just going through there. And like, every time I go on the page, like I'm learning something I didn't know, which is always awesome. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. And um, man, I, now I really wish I had that when I was a kid. <laughs> I've been all over that. Become yeah. a scientist. Yeah. Now I'm a podcaster, but that's still fun hey, too. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna ask the, the million dollar question that we always have to remember to ask. If you wanted somebody to support you guys, or if somebody wanted to donate, yeah. how would they go oh, about? What's the yeah. best way for so us? So we have. Um, so you definitely go to our um, uh, website. So we have a donate button on our website. Um, support and what us. What would that website be? Um, SciTechToYou.org. Yeah. Um, support us at SciTechToYou.org. Right now, we just um, uh, apply for a grant with Shauna M. Sorrell. Right, um, and part of that grant is for everybody in social media to kind of support you. So look for that, um, the Shauna M. Sorrell. You know, go to the website. I don't have it because I literally just um, I can send that to you later. Of course. Literally just fill out the application. So you know, grant writing it takes a minute. <laughs> so I've been working on that. Um, we have Mighty Cause, so you can find us also on Mighty Cause. Just go to Mighty Cause and look for SciTech to you. You can find us there. Um, you could reach us through LinkedIn. Um, if you need to contact me, Zainab at SciTech to you.org. That's Z-A-I-N-A-V at SciTech to you.org. Um, our contact information is on our website. Um, again, that's SciTech to you.org. Um, you could donate at any time. Um, we're coming up um, with Forgiven Tuesday. We're going to launch, I believe, on the 17th of November. So you could definitely support us on Giving Tuesday. We have our site up there as well. So, yeah, there are many ways you could support us. You could sponsor a student. Um, just contact us if you want to sponsor a student for our program. And also, one way to support us is to bring your student 
have your child join our program. Uh, we pray not to disappoint. Um, and also, if you want to volunteer, help us volunteer. We're looking for instructors, t- um, teachers to um, teach some of the programs and help us expand a little. We're limited a little in what we can do because we don't have the teacher resources um, to help teach some of the programs. And then if you want to help us write grants, look for grants. I mean, there's so many ways that, um, you know, you can support us, you can help us. But, yeah, those are some of the ways. That like I, and like I said, with, with uh, Roots Africa interview, which is now available on our uh Basically, everywhere our podcast is available, Spotify, uh, podcasters, uh, everything. So if you guys haven't checked that out already, please do. But also, uh, you know, you know, I know there's a pandemic. I know that, you know, things are tight for a lot of people. But there's always an opportunity to, you know, help out everyone. Uh, nonprofits especially, this is a great time to, to be mm-hmm. able to help out. Any little bit helps. Uh, like she said, there's a donate button. There's opportunities to volunteer. There's opportunities to, if your kid's looking for a program, this is a fantastic mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. As someone that's actually worked at an after-school program, I can tell you it doesn't get much better than this program. Like, you're not going to see a lot of other places that can do half the stuff that this program does. So check out SciTech to you. Appreciate you for taking the thank time to you. come. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I mean, one of the things I want to do is really thank you giving me this opportunity. I mean, this is, you know, one of the things that stemmed from being a nonprofit village, and I really, really appreciate, you know, you having me here, too. Of course. Absolutely. And like she said, shout out to uh, Nonprofit Village. Uh, You guys are awesome. Mm -hmm. It's great to be able to have the opportunity for us to talk to all of these uh, nonprofits, get to know the people behind them. Uh, actually, we, we talked about it last night. We're going to call this segment Village Talk because <laughs> it takes a village. Yeah. And, um, you know, not to steal your name, Nonprofit Village. We love you. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so we're going to continue to do this series with uh, and many more. Uh, so look forward to that. But thank you to Nonprofit Village. Thank you for Capital Workspaces. We're currently at Capital Workspaces, uh, where they provided us with this room and the opportunity to do this today. So thank you, guys. Uh, thank you to SciTech, to you, uh, for doing what you do and, and coming in today. Thank you. And uh, that is, uh, this is Kevin. And this is Evan. And this is Village Talk. Appreciate you guys. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>